today I wanted to do something a little different. I just want to ask you, have you ever just stopped for one second and spiritually evaluated your life? It's one of those things that we don't do very often. We should. We just don't do it very often. See, Christians are notorious for judging and condemning others, but it's not too good at doing it with ourselves. And unfortunately, the one thing we can say about all that judgment and stuff we've learned to do over the years uh, is the experience we have in character assassination and, and, uh, and examination uh, can actually come in handy because it's useful so that we can use it to examine our own life. Now, I'm not a big one on New Year's resolutions because I've never been able to keep one more than like two days, you know. Has anybody here ever kept a New Year's resolution? <laughs> not even one. Okay, I feel so much better about myself. I'm going to hang out with you guys more often. Uh, but I just, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but I am big on New Year's evaluations. I'm very, very big on that. Uh, so Paul encouraged self-examination before he took the Lord's Supper. If you look at 1 Corinthians 11:28, he says, But a man is to examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And the Apostle Paul echoed that again in 2 Corinthians 13:5. He says, Test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. But do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So the Bible is full of this verse designed to encourage us examining ourselves. It's, it's all over. And it also gives us the ability to make adjustments. So today we're going to look at three things we can turn from self-examination into self-improvement, uh, things that I think going into the new year would be important to think about. And the first is, remember our blessings. Remember your blessings. Okay? The second is, rejoice more and complain less. Anybody guilty of that one? <laughs> That's really one. And third is, relook, relook your personal situation with Jesus. We're going to take a look at those things, and uh, I titled today's message, Time for Change. Let's jump right in. So first of all, remember your blessings. Psalms 103.2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his what? Kind deeds. Do not forget all his kind deeds. Now, I hear something almost daily, and I thought about this when I was preparing this. I have people come to me all the time and say, Why, God, why doesn't God do blank? whatever it is they're asking them. And I also hear people say, why is God not answering? I don't know if you've ever had those questions yourself. And they're legitimate questions. But the answer is maybe disappointing. See, when we pray, most people pray, we just spew out a grocery list before God. That's what most of our prayers are. And I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I've actually felt guilty before when I've been praying. And I Have you ever prayed and like thought about other stuff while you're praying? Anybody do that? That tells you that maybe we've been praying something over and over for ourselves and we're not really being intimate with God during that prayer time. But most people just kind of spew out a grocery list. But what I start thinking about is before we ask God for anything, I think we should first appreciate everything we already do have. Because it really gets to me when people come to me and they're mad at God because God won't see things their way. That drives me insane. And they're mad at God because He's not giving and giving and giving but they're not appreciating anything we have given. I had I told somebody one time, they were going off about, they didn't understand how God could do this and how God could do that, and they were mad at God, and God didn't listen to them anymore, and God's doing this wrong, and God's doing that wrong. And I said, just got on my nerves, and finally I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if the only thing God ever did for you was guarantee eternal life to you, is that enough to pray for you? And she just looked at me, and I go, she goes, what do you mean, that's it? <laughs> I'm like, maybe this isn't going to work like I thought it was. But I said, think about it. If the only thing he did 
will guarantee you eternal life if you go to his grave. And she's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's literally the answer. Like, we're like entitled little children. You know what I mean? So we should, we should be confident that when we ask God for something, he can answer it, right? But before we go to him, we should be thankful for what we already have. Those are two big things I'd like people to remember going into the new year. And a lot of times, when I talk to people, I think a lot of the reasons they don't get their prayers answered is because they go into their prayer not even believing God can really do it. Have you ever prayed about something and as soon as you get off your knees you try to figure out how to do it yourself? Anybody ever done that before? Lord, just help me with this person. Show me how to talk to them. I don't want to say another word to them until you guide me. You get up off your knees and call them and go, yeah, about what you said. And immediately, you're working on it yourself. Sometimes I think we need to believe that he's able to fix what we're asking him to fix and trust it to him. If you look at James 1, 5 through 8. He says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be what? It will be given to him. But he must ask in, in faith without any doubting. Let's read that again. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When I say we have to believe that he is able, I mean we have to realize that he's willing to answer questions, he's willing to answer prayers, he's willing to bless us, but it's always going to be blessed according to his will. Sometimes we have to realize that that believing he's, he's able and truly believing he's able will help us to understand something really important. See, because if we believe God is that God can do absolutely anything, yet He's not giving us a response to what we ask, it helps us to accept that maybe the answer is no. If you really believe God can do anything, and everything you're asking Him, He is capable of doing, and you've been asking for a long time and nothing's changing, rather than saying God's not answering, maybe we should just say, God said no. You know what I mean? And God help me, I've got unanswered prayers by God's works in my mind. Is that blasphemy? but it's just running through my mind. Sometimes he says no, and you know what? He doesn't have to explain to you why. He does the only what's best for us. We have to say, God, if the answer is no, I don't want it either. Show me why when it's your time. That's why I think it's so important as we go into this new year, we have to change the way we think. We have to change how we appreciate the gifts God's given us. We've got to appreciate the blessings we already have. Listen, sometimes it's just not God's will that your prayer be answered. And sometimes God's, answering, or God's answer is no because now's not the right time. But either way, if we're going to trust Him, we need to go into it saying, if you don't do anything else for me, I'm thankful for everything you've done up to this point. I think if we could just change that much in our lives, we'd see more prayers answered already. Right? I think we'd see a lot more prayers answered if we could get to that part. Now remember, another thing we have to remember is God is not obligated to answer our prayers. Did you know that? He's not obligated. There's nothing written in the Bible that says, absolutely, everything you ask for, I will do, because I am your drive-through window. It never says that anywhere in Scripture. We've got to get that through our mind. Now, there's a lot of reasons he can say no, but I think it boils down to two things. Either it's not his will for us, or it's not his will, or something is hindering your relationship between God. And God doesn't answer prayers if there's still something that needs to be settled between you and him. If you have something in your life you know needs to go, God's not going to move forward and ignore it until you address it. You ever had that thing in your life that you know you need to let go of? You ever have that? Guilt, maybe? How about this one? Grudges? Anybody here ever held a grudge? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody else? 
We've all held grudges, right? We've had times where we're mad at God. There's all kinds of things that we just hold inside of us and pretend it's going to go away. But it makes this weirdness between you and God. Have you ever had a fight with a best friend or a family member and then it's weird every time you're around them after that? You know what I mean? If you have sin in your life and you know it's wrong and God knows it's wrong, there's weirdness between you two. And a lot of times he's not answering prayers because of those very, very reasons. It's really, really important. Now, for example, notice what Paul said to Philippians uh, about having the right mindset before we pray. Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord's near. Be anxious for... Anybody find that one hard? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with... With thanksgiving, let your request, not your orders, not your grocery list, not your pull up to Walmart and pick up list, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension that guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, Paul was reminding him that before asking for anything, God has a couple qualifiers. He's got a few qualifiers actually. Right? Let's look at those. First, he said, rejoice always. Okay, rejoice always. All this leads up to having peace with God. Rejoice always. This means first we have to have a positive and thankful attitude. Right? You can't go to God, mad at Him and mad at the world, and struggling in your faith and holding grudges uh, and with a negative attitude and expect God to bless you. He's not going to do it. You can't go to God like that. Have you ever met the believer that's never satisfied and never happy? Anybody ever grow up around the old guy and you're like, he should just strip because he makes Christianity look so bad. You ever met those people? And when you talk to them about stuff, you're like, well, I tell you what, he's trying to be positive, and they go, I don't know. I mean, things are going worse and worse. It's waxing worse and worse. Come, Lord. I'm like, gone, man. Get some medication. Lord, have mercy. You know, he wants you to have a positive and thankful attitude. Miserable Christians don't bring anybody to Jesus. You ever met those Christians that are constantly complaining about everything? Constantly. I tell you what, when we went through COVID and all this political stuff, I found out there's a lot of Christian people out there who are just miserable. Because listen, we all know there was problems with everything that's gone on in the last three years. We also all know that we can't change anything. The one who can is God. So maybe instead of whining and complaining and crying and fighting and bickering with everybody all the time and making unbelievers think, I don't want to be saved because it seems like it's an instant jerk kill, instead of doing that, maybe we should just trust it to God. Trust it to God. I'd love to see that mentality start to flourish. Remember, God doesn't want to reward negative negativity with blessing. Second thing is, He said to let people see your gentle and peaceful spirit or your Christ-like spirit. Okay, and this is something I really wish people would, would focus on changing in the media. When people see us and hear us, they should be seeing and hearing the love of God. That's what they should be seeing and hearing when they, when they see us and when they hear us. Because God loves to bless people who reflect His very nature to other people. That's who He loves to bless. Okay? The third thing He told them is He told them that they should be walking in faith because He said, The Lord is near. And that's easy to miss. He said, the Lord is near. So before he prayed, he said, be positive. Right? He said, because the Lord is near. Right? So how do we ensure that the Lord is near? And James took this on in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, 8. is the first part there. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
so he's insinuating here that if you want to have a successful prayer life that leads to peace and contentment, rejoice always, right? And here he's saying, make sure the Lord is near. Which makes us surmise that having a close relationship with Jesus is a direct correlation with having your prayers in Being close to Him is how you have your, play, your prayers in right? I mean, the stronger the relationship, the more prayers you'll probably have answered, right? How many of us are likely to go the extra mile for somebody we barely know? Are you going to do that? Now, a lot of people say they will, but would you really say go that extra mile for somebody you barely know? Most people, I'd say, would not. And so sadly, I mean, I hate to say this, but it is possible for believers to barely know Jesus. Did you know that? It is possible for believers to barely know Jesus because some believers are content to only know Him as their Savior. And in my opinion, yes, are they going to heaven? Absolutely, because heaven's not about work. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But it's sad to me that they only know Him as Savior because He's so much more than that. If all you know Jesus as is your Savior, you're missing the best part about being saved, and that's the personal friendship you can have with Jesus yourself. You and Him can have that personal friendship. How many times, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably the crazy friend he has because I'm the one that prays while I'm driving. Anybody else do that? If you've seen me drive, you believe that? I'm deep in prayer, and I'm making everyone else deep in prayer when I'm driving. But there are so many times when I get so mad. Have you ever got so mad that you can just feel it boiling up inside you and, and it's like you just type making scenarios in your mind that like make you more mad? Do you ever do that? Well, when I get to that point, because it's so rare for redheads to have a temper, when I, when I get to that point, I literally talk out loud to God in my car. I've had people look over at me like, what is he doing? I'm like, what? I'm talking to Jesus. Throw the window up. You know, but there are times when I'm real open, I'm real honest with them, just like I would be with my friends. I'm like, Lord, I am so sick of them, but they have to be at my family reunion because they're family. You know, <laughs> what do I have to do to get along with them? I have that open conversation with God. Knowing Him like that is so powerful. And when something's between God and I, keeping me from being in that situation with Him, I feel that hollowness of that friendship missing. It's so sad to think of people living with that hollowness. Now, Isaiah describes several different things about God, and there's so many I could have preached the whole message on it, but this is a really good one. Isaiah 9, 6 said, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Think about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of, Prince of Peace. Listen. And those are just a few ways you can impact your life. If you don't understand what it means by wonderful counselor, seek counsel in the Word of God and you'll find out. You will find out. Because, listen, getting advice from your friends, they tell you what makes you happy. Right? But the Word of God tells you what you need to know. That's a wonderful counselor that loves you enough to guide you and tell you what you need to know. Now, realize that God doesn't require we do anything other than believe to have eternal life. Okay, so understand this. John 5, 24. It says, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. Now notice that has eternal life. Not getting, not gaining, not maintaining. Okay, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of and into. Now think of the powerful promise that we have here. 
If you believe, you will not come into judgment as to heaven and hell, and you are guaranteed eternal life. It's amazing. The Bible is also very clear that our works don't save us or help us maintain our salvation. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is my life verse, by the way. Is this verse that uh, convinced me to believe. It says, For by grace you have been saved through, and that not of yourselves. It is... <laughs> it is the gift of God. Not as a result of work. Not as a result of so that no one may boast. Okay, this is so important. Whether God answers prayers or not is not about our salvation. If God's not answering your prayers, it doesn't mean you're not saved. Right? Not whether God answers your prayers or not is more about sanctification than it is salvation. And sanctification simply means being set apart for God or, or committing yourself to that relationship. The closer you are to Him, the more God will bless you, the more He'll answer your prayers. So how do we stay close to Jesus? Let's take a look at the Second Timothy 2.15. He says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who what? Does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Okay? Now, this is kind of interesting. It says, if you want to be approved and you don't want to be ashamed, and you want to be seen as a workman to God, it says, you do that through accurately handling the word of truth. In the Greek, it's orthotomeo logos aletheia, is what the sentence is there. And the sentence literally means to study diligently and teach accurately all of God's written words. That's what it should, that's what it reads more accurately like. Use the word of God to instruct accurately. Use the word of God to grow and be diligent to that relationship, right? That's what it takes to have that close relationship where you can be confident when you pray because you're praying with a good attitude, you're praying thankfully, you're praying walking near God, you have that peace because you say, I'm right where I need to be. If the answer is no, I'm okay with that. If the answer is yes, I'm okay with that. That, that section of Scripture leads us, these things lead us to having peace in our prayers. And sometimes peace in your prayer is willing to, willing to realize He says no. Now, if you do, I think you're not only going to go close to Jesus every day, you're going to be able to serve Him more effectively. Now, the second thing, rejoice more and complain less. Oh, I should go on this Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do all things without... Let's leave that up there a second. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So we do it all without grumbling or disputing. I'm trying to drive that point home. Okay? So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent uh, children of God above reproach uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as light in the world. So how do we appear as light in the world? How do we appear blameless and innocent? By doing all things without grumbling or disputing. You're welcome. Let's do that in Verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. He's saying, if you live those kind of lives, he said, the time I spend investing in you is not in vain. I'll be proud of it someday. That's what he's saying. Now, always remember, God is not forcing us to obey his word. He will never force us to obey, obey his word. Our obedience is and always has been and always will be a choice. Right? So if you want to stand out in this world, this crooked and perverse generation, if you want to stand out in this world, and frankly, in most churches, here's how. Complain less. Pray and rejoice more. And you will stand out. 
That simple thing will make you stand out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You'll notice that time and time again, there's this correlation between the words rejoicing, prayer, thankfulness. All those things walk hand in hand, and there's a correlation between having contentment and peace and having a rejoicing attitude, being thankful, and being close to God. It's all through the Scriptures. All through the Scriptures. People are so used to negativity in this world, simple positivity stands out. It stands out. So, when you approach everything you have with possibility, people will know, with, uh, uh, with positivity, people are going to notice. They're going to notice. Because have you ever noticed, I mean, watch the news. Tell me what's positive on it. Anything? I told you to watch it because I ain't going to. Right? I'm just saying, there's nothing positive on it. When you watch shows, the best-selling shows, their lives are falling apart and we're watching it for joy. Am I right? Oh, that's a great movie. There's so many different storylines and they're all terrible. People suffer all the way through it. Isn't that great to watch? It's true. Everything around us is negative. People are so used to it that it just makes positive glow. It makes positive glow. So when you approach everything with positivity, people will notice and people will listen to what you have to say. And I think we too often forget that being positive and living right actually has its, has its privileges. It has a lot of privileges. Because God blesses those who do their best to be obedient and servant. Right? He doesn't expect perfection, but He just expects us to do the best we can do for Him, making Him a priority. Right? Now also remember, God doesn't need your, or force your obedience. He just wants it. Right? He's not going to make you. He wants your obedience. Because He wants to bless you. And parents, I think you can understand that. There's not many parents out there that say, you know, today I'm going to see how I can make my children stuff. There's not a lot of them out there. Right? Don't look at the parents, kids. That's not even if you don't believe that. No, but, I mean, we want to bless our kids. But it's not universal. I'm your father, so I will bless you all the time. That's not how it works, is it? I mean, how many people want to bless their children if they're not thankful for anything you've done for them? Are you going to get them anything else? I literally saw a kid one time. Their parents bought them this humongous weight set, which is terribly expensive. If you ever had to put one together, you will only buy one, I promise you. Right? And it's huge. I mean, not probably over a thousand bucks. Huge. And you know what the kid said at Christmas? He goes, ah, that's not the kind I wanted. I don't want it. Walked upstairs. Yeah, I would have made him take it apart and take it out to the fire pit. And I don't live it because I'm such a godly man. But I'm just saying, think about that for a second. You don't want to give that kid anything. If your kid's disrespectful to you and refuses to do his chores, you're going to say, you know what? You have done nothing but talk back today. And you have skipped every chore I told you to do. Here is fifty dollars. You go to the movie with your girlfriend and you enjoy it. Who's going to do that, right? You don't bless your own children when they don't make a, a conscious effort to be obedient. You just don't bless them. Listen, God is no different. He gives us opportunities to serve Him so that He can bless us. If we could just be complain less, just complain less. Be more positive, rejoicing more. He wants to give us those opportunities to bless us. Now, whether it's in sports or whether it's in academics or whether it's just life in general, having a great attitude and a positive attitude pays off. There are people making millions of dollars telling you and writing books about what I'm about to tell you. Positive thinking leads to positive action. 
And if you'd like to put money in a bucket for that book, I'll write it. I'm just saying, people have all the time saying that. Listen, the truth, it's all through the scriptures. If you have a positive attitude and show it in how you work and treat others, you'll have a blessed life. Right? Look what it says here in Colossians 3.17. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When you see somebody that has that thankful attitude, given everything they have, especially at work, they stand out and people want to hear what they have to say. I had a job one time, that's not my outline, but I'm going to share it anyway. I had a job one time that was terrible. When I mean terrible, I was 19, and I literally would cry on the way to work thinking about what I was about to have to deal with. It was 100 and some degrees, and I worked 12 hours for each I remember the first day I worked there, they came out with a box of sweatbands. I thought that meant pick the one you like, you know. I'm like, let's see what color is it. No, you know, I'm, I'm, and they go, no, the whole box is it. I go, why would I need a whole box of sweatbands? Then they put me in front of a furnace that was about 125 degrees, and I go, oh, that's why. I hated that job. I mean, I hated that job with everything in my soul. But I thought to myself, it's just, I'm going to work. I'm here for 12 hours. I got promoted in like six months. And everybody asked me, why'd you get promoted so fast? Are you sucking up? And I go, listen, here's why. As soon as the foreman leaves, you guys get in throwing rubber separators with each other and leave the line and go do stuff, see what you can get away with. I don't know when you're going to realize that foremans never really walk away. They are always looking. I didn't do anything special other than what was expected of me and I got promoted. Listen, you'd be shocked how God will bless you if you just do what's expected of you. You don't have to, you don't have to heal the sick. Just do what's expected of you. And God will move you up. It's the same concept. Now, the last point I want to make here, uh, in my opinion, the most important thing we do 